Praise God, from whom all blessings flow. Praise him, all creatures here below. Praise him above you, heavenly hosts. Praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Amen. Thank you, Gail, for that beautiful rendition. This is our Father's world. It is our Father's world, and I love that song. Let us stand for the reading of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Maybe in our thinking, in our speaking, and in our hearts. And we're reading the gospel of Jesus Christ from St. Matthew. And I'm going to start around the 44th verse. <clears throat> the kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field, which someone found and hid. And then his joy goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls. On finding one pearl of great value, he went and sold all that he had and brought it. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a net that was thrown into the sea and caught fish of every kind. And when it was full, they drew it ashore, sat down, and put the good into the baskets and threw out the bad. So it will be at the end of the age, the angels will come out and separate the evil from the righteous. The word of God for the people of God. Amen. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. Again, it's good to see each of you here on this Sunday. Everyone hear me okay? Okay. Just want to make sure you can, you can hear my voice today. Because I want you to hear what I've got to say. Because every time we hear something uh, from the God's word, it is good. Amen? Amen. So, there was a story some years ago, and I, I like to read these stories that uh, have all of these resources to find these little stories that uh, some are humorous, some have their different uh, points to make, and this one was on AOL years ago. How many of you still have an AOL account? Okay, I got one. I got one. I just never use it. But it was referenced to AOL. Uh, and you may remember seeing this. And I, I think I actually saw the episode. And I'll lead up, lead up to that in just a moment. But there was a U.S. Air Force guy uh, when he was uh, in Thailand stationed in 1974. And he bought a watch, a Rolex Oyster Cosmograph. Now, I don't know what that means. I know Rolex is uh, uh, top-notch. So, after he said it was good for scuba diving, but he bought it. He paid $345.97 in 1974. Now, he was making somewhere between three and $400 a month, so that was a whole lot of money for a watch. I think the most I've ever spent was maybe a couple of hundred dollars, and it lasted about 15 years. A couple of weeks ago, I went to Walmart and got a, a $20 one, and it's doing just fine. It's taking the licking and keep on ticking. So, um, yeah, so he bought this Rolex, and uh, so, but he thought it was just so nice, he didn't want to get in the salt water. So he kept it in his box, and he put it away for all over four decades. <clears throat> How many of you watched the Antiques Roadshow? I love that. Uh, yeah, and so they were uh, in Fargo, North Dakota, of all places, 
And this gentleman came with it. It was still in its box. And he wanted to know if it had any value. Turns out it was about a $700,000 watch at auction at that point. This guy who was a combat veteran fainted right on the show. I might have done the same thing. <laughs> but uh, it, it's amazing how these things, this junk that we think sometimes is not, uh, or some, of course, Rolex, he knew it was worth something. But a lot of things that uh, are very important to us. It reminds me of the story that we read this morning. And listen to those words again. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again. And then in his joy, he went and sold all he had and bought the field. Isn't that strange? He hid, he found the treasure, he hid it. And then he sold everything he had and went and bought the whole field. <laughs> so the kingdom of heaven, is, he said, is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. When he found one of great value, he went away and sold everything that he had and bought it. Jesus is telling us two discoveries here in these passages that were worth selling everything that their owners had. Nothing held back. And in order to acquire those treasures. That sounds like investing in a good Rolex, doesn't it? I really like it when they find some old picture or some old piece of junk or, or some pot or some little thing and they, uh, they say, well, you know, they start off kind of slow and then they say, well, you know, it's worth about $300,000, $500,000 on the road show. And I start thinking, man, I need to start digging out what's up there in my attic. Y'all ever get that feeling? So those are big treasures. But Jesus in this parable... There's that word again in those stories that Jesus tells us something so important that we need to try to find the truth of what Jesus is telling us. And he gives us a big truth this morning. Jesus is reminding us that there are things in life that are priceless. There are things in life that are priceless. These things are worth much more than a luxury watch. How much would you give for your health? It's priceless. Let's face it, some of us are selling our health, maybe uh, cheaply by some of the ways we treat our bodies, but our health is priceless. If we really knew, you don't know it until you start losing it, do you? Or something bad happens, or, uh, or, or the aging sets in. What amazes me when people uh, that are aging and they've been taking real good care of themselves and they're going, I tell them people, I got two ladies that are 90 years old in my church and one headed that way. And the, I said, Lord, if I live that long, if I could be just uh, as, uh, halfway where you are, that, that would be wonderful. So much to be thankful for that taking care of life, priceless. So would you sell your health? Would it come cheaply? Somebody might ask you, what would you sell for one of your children? And you'd probably say, which one? Of course, you wouldn't do that. But how much would you take for your good mind? I'm starting to wonder that myself. <laughs> you know, you start forgetting things. 
you know, and, and, and wondering what, why did that name come to my mind? Mental health. You see people that suffer mental health and peace of mind. Until we lose them or someone close to us, there's some things that are priceless and we don't really know it or realize it. They're worth at that time. We need to sit down maybe and count our blessings, take an inventory, enumerate those priceless things in our life and ask whether our day-to-day -day priorities reflect the things that matter most. And we've had a lot of time at home lately. Do we think about those things that matter most? We, we've been blessed. We have a lot of this, that, and the other thing. But what really matters? Does our family matter? Does our sanity matter? Does solitude matter? Do we need others? Do we need uh, to be able to go outside? You know, things that we took for granted suddenly taken away from us. And it's, it's quite different, isn't it? So we count our blessings. What is important? Take that inventory. Let me tell you about a, a man uh, who won the Darwin Award, Andrew. You know, the Darwin Awards are kind of like sarcastic, you know, that you're not really, uh, you know, as smart as you think you might be. But this guy was 50 years old, and his name was Michael, and he was visiting the 100-year-old Victoria Falls Bridge that connected Zimbabwe and Zambia. And the bridge is about like a football field. And he was there with his uh, wife, and, and it was slippery, and they were going to take pictures in the big falls coming down. And, you know, in that part of the world, it's summer when it's winter here, so it was, Jan it was New Year's there. So it was warm, while we usually have cold weather. But as they were crossing over, Michael dropped his glasses. Michael, the headmaster at Summit College in Johannesburg, or Johannesburg, a highly regarded lecturer in, ge in geography, he was aware of the risk. So guess what? He climbed over, got on the slippery rocks and the moss and all the grass and fell a hundred feet to his death. for these. He gets the Darwin Award. Now, I go around my house looking for them all the time and look in the refrigerator and usually find them there. But uh, <laughs> I used to say they're in plain sight. But I hope I have enough sense that to climb over a, oh, something that's up so high and slippery. Do we use good sense? and taking care of that precious treasure that God's given us, life, family, careers, a mind. He lost his life trying to repair uh, or retrieve a pair of glasses. No glasses are worth it. But we know that things that are priceless, they cannot be measured by dollars 
I've been watching the new version of Dynasty. Y'all ever watch the old Dynasty? It's on Netflix. Have you seen the new one on Netflix? It's station. It's made in Atlanta. It's quite different. It's a little more racy. If you can, of course, that was really, you know, in its day in the eighties. But that that one, that one doesn't even touch what this was like. But uh, this family, all they care about is money, and they just, you know, it's kind of like Dallas, and they're just all fighting with each other. Something going on all the time. But what is priceless? Is it the life of those that you love? your family, your health. But most importantly, a family or, or friends or homes or jobs or money or whatever, the most important thing in this world is our soul. The soul that is eternal, the spirit. Jesus said the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in the field. When a man, a man found it, he hid it again. And then in his joy he went out and sold all that he had and bought that field. He found it, bought it, then bought it again, you could say. The kingdom of heaven, he added, is like fine pearls. Fine one of great value. And then he sold everything that he had just for that pearl. Note that both of the precious finds were worth everything to, that these men had. In other words, no matter how much you own, no matter how glorious your life may be or glamorous, no matter how high you are on the IQ scale, just like Darwin Awards, if you have missed out on the kingdom of heaven, you've missed out on the one thing in life which the value exceeds all others. Did you hear what I said? If you miss out on the kingdom of heaven, if you miss out what's eternal, nothing else matters because everything, take a look around you in this building. Take a look at every person in this building. Every single one of us are temporal. All of one day, this building won't be here. If the world is around long enough, nothing will be here. We will, this body won't be here. But what lasts forever? Our soul, eternal. And some say that's silly. Well, I'm, not, I'm going to err on, the, on caution and believe that uh, there's something greater than what we see. That there's something beyond. And it's not just caution, it's something that you feel deep down in your soul when you get in touch with God. When you get in touch for feeling God's presence and knowing if it's true that the kingdom of God is worth more than anything else, do you think that you and I should know more about the kingdom that Christ is describing? That this should be the foremost of our vocation, that we should be giving our very best to the kingdom? We know that Matthew used the term kingdom of heaven instead of kingdom of God. In other gospels, they said kingdom of God. But Theologians say they're interchangeably. Kingdom of God, kingdom of heaven, 
whatever. It's the same. Some Jews didn't write the name God, uh, and they still won't. They, they, they won't write it. So that was part of the reason that some didn't say the kingdom of God and said the kingdom of heaven. But the kingdom of heaven, Jesus said, is among you, is in you. You are it. And you're going to spend, I want you to be part of this kingdom. What is the kingdom of Christ? Why did Jesus spend so much time talking in his ministry about the kingdom and what really counts? What is it that I said over the last few weeks? Jesus always taught what? Let's say it one more time. Parables. And in those parables, he was trying to tell us what? Truths. And it's up to us to get those truths. And he said today, he compared the kingdom of heaven as being something that will make you so crazy that you'll go bury it like the treasure and then sell everything that you got and go back and buy the field again just to make sure you got it. That's pretty radical, isn't it? That's better than corn. You know, that's, that's, that's better than anything. The kingdom of heaven. But the main thing that God wants us to remember that the kingdom of God and the kingdom of heaven exists everywhere. And does God rule in our life? Do we do no harm? Do we do good? Do we attend to the ordinance of God? Do we stay in a loving relationship with God and with each other? Whether God is there, is, there is his kingdom or wherever God is. That's to say wherever God is, there's love, there's joy, there's peace, there's contentment. What would it be worth to you to have love, peace, joy, and contentment in your life? What would it mean to you to know what real justice is about, real social justice, real loving each other for who you are and whose you are? That's where we're missing the mark. We don't realize that all of humanity is God's creation and we need to love each other as God loves us. It's wonderful. It's a wonderful blessing. And share that love that God sent his son to die for us. There's a story about uh, one of the richest men, I'm sure you've heard of him, Warren Buffett. But Michael J. Corrin tells in his little article, The Oracle of Omaha. And it said that Warren Buffett often, or every year, auctions off a lunch and everything goes to, uh, to charity through his church and for the poor. And people offer all kind of money to have lunch with Warren Buffett. Now, someone actually paid $4.6 million to have lunch. Of course, it had to be given to the charity. Now, if I had $4.6 million, I'm not sure who I wanted to have lunch with, but I'm sure that if I could get a chance to, to sit down with Jesus or some of those from the past, that would be great. 
But if we sat down with Jesus, what would he tell us to do with $4.6 million if we had that much money just to throw around and have lunch? Say it again. Give it, give it to the poor. Give it to the poor. Give it. That's what they were doing. So wealth can only take you so far. But none of it was once asked. Uh, 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 Frank Harrington once said, "Great Presbyterian Church in Atlanta, Peachtree Press." Someone asked him when this one of the richest men in Atlanta died, and they said, "How much do you think uh, he took uh, left behind?" And you know what his answer was? All of it. All of it. What we gather in this world, we're going to leave behind. But what we do for God is what's going to last. But we resist that, don't we? Why do we resist it? It's because we think that we can do a better job than God in ordering our life. We're kind of selfish. We have that carnal nature. We love to be in control. We, we want to control others, many do. We miss so much in life because we refuse to turn over our lives to God, to do with God what God wants. How many of you have ever been in a Wesley Covenant service? One of the little things that we say, and maybe we should do it one week, I don't know if we've done that since I've been here or not, but part of it says, my life is no longer my own. Do with it, Lord, as you will. That's a big statement in it. That's kind of a scary statement. And once you're giving up control to God, here's my life. Take my life and let it be. See, we don't like to let go. There's a story in the Los Angeles Times some years ago where a woman was caught on the edge of a bridge and she was screaming and people kept stopping and trying to help and pull her back and she kept saying, I'll do it myself. <laughs> but she couldn't do it herself. She needed assistance. We want to be in control. And that's us, isn't it? We want to be in control of our own lives, even if we sometimes mess up our lives, even if we're not too satisfied with our lives. Jesus says to us that we will never find abundant life that God offers us until we put our lives completely under his control. You might remember Catherine Marshall. She was the wife of the late Peter Marshall, who was a Presbyterian minister and also the chaplain of the U.S. Senate. And she wrote the book, A Man Called Peter. You may have even seen the movie. But just about three weeks before he died unexpectedly, she had made this commitment, Lord, here I am. I don't know what all you got for me to do, but I'm going to do it. Now, she didn't know what she was asking for, did she? She didn't know what was coming. The man that she loved, the great Peter Marshall, who, who wrote books and great sermons and was respected all over the world, gone in an instant, and she was left. But do you know she wound up writing 16, well, I don't know how many books, but like 16 million copies of books that she sold that helped other people. We don't know what 
comes out of that little treasure that sometimes seems like a disaster when we give our lives to God. I'm not saying don't be afraid that something horrible is going to happen to you or someone that you love. But when we give ourselves to the kingdom of heaven, to the kingdom of God, it's amazing what can happen. Just as we read in the Old Testament today, Solomon prayed, Lord, give me wisdom. And God said, I'm pleased that you're saying, here I am. You didn't ask for long life. You didn't ask for riches. You didn't ask for this and you didn't ask for that. But because you came and said, Lord, here I am. Do with me as you will. You got all of these and more. God wants us to be willing to take less, but God winds up giving us more. I can't guarantee you you're going to wind up like Solomon with all the riches in the world and all the wisdom in the world. But somehow God will use your life and show you what is the most important thing in life. And just like Paul in the epistle God tells us through those words that God works all things to the good of them that love him and are called according to his purposes. And neither life nor death nor peril nor sword or things in the future and past or angels or demons or principalities, anything can separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. It is our mission. Our should be deep in our hearts that that little treasure that is down in some field somewhere that we found and buried that we're willing to go and sell everything that we got to keep that field. Are we willing and are we able and are we committed to hold on to what God wants us to have and that is to be part of the kingdom of heaven and share the kingdom of heaven and be the kingdom of heaven. It is important. And we live in times where things seem uncertain and things are, are, are all around us. And we feel like we just don't know what to do. But I tell you what, we've got a treasure that's hidden down in a field somewhere. And we bought that field. And we got a promise from God that says that nothing will separate us from His love. Because guess what? We're carrying out His purposes and God is going to win in the end. I read the last chapter of the book and I don't really care what they keep saying or what happens. We keep showing the love of God and preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ and showing His love to people even when they don't show it back to us and not get caught up in the minutiae and just give love and not let things get us down. It's easy to do. Sometimes you just have to turn the TV off. Maybe if we spend a little more time praying and a little more time in devotion and a little more time seeking that treasure instead of being worried and being in all kind of fear because God does not want us turned over to fear. The promises are yes and amen. Do you hear what I'm saying today? I'm not saying that we shouldn't be responsible. Yes, we need to be responsible. We are being responsible. Yes, we should care. Yes, these things are real. Yes, people are upset. Yes, there's things going on that we don't understand where it's all going to end. But I know where it's all ultimately end. 
It's going to ultimately end because one day we have a promise that Jesus is coming back and setting his kingdom up forever and ever and ever and ever. And we have to hold fast to that promise. And while we here, we occupy and show that the love of God is better than anything that any government or any philosophy or any ideology can bring because Jesus is pure love. God is pure love. And we won't look so much at what people say they don't look at color. Of course, you see people. But what we look at is what the content of character is and what God is doing in people's lives. And what they're looking at is to see if we love. And we need to show love and show compassion and show goodness and kindness in all situations, whether we agree philosophically or not. I didn't intend on saying all that, but that I think that came came from that little thing. <laughs> God wants us to be the church, and we tuck our heads and we and we and we just sit back in in, in despair. But guess what? Kingdoms have marched against. God from the beginning marched against the church, tried to wipe us out, tried to destroy us. And I guarantee you, whether we're in this building or outside these walls, the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God will continue as long forever and ever and ever. And I want to be a part of it, don't you? And how God reveals that to you and how God works that out in your life, you're going to have to work that out between you and your Lord. But I say to you today, the promises are true. It's the greatest treasure that you can ever have is to know in your heart that you belong to the Almighty God through His Son, Jesus Christ, who died for you. Nothing else can matter anymore. Amen? Amen? So let us believe God's working things out for his purposes. I don't know where everything's going. We've had hard times before. We've had depressions. We've had pandemics. We've had revolutions. We've had this. We've had that. But God's kingdom, God's always had a people. And God's going to always have a people and sometimes it's not always easy but God will be with us and as we leave this place we need to go knowing that we take the name of Jesus with us in our hearts we don't have to be overbearing we don't have to be you know some holy Joe or whatever we just need to show that God's love is greater than anything else remember that Let us stand as we sing. Number five. Ma'am? Oh, my bad. It's hard to get out of it's hard to get out of that thing. Stand with me as we affirm our faith before we sing the Apostle Creed. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead and buried. The third day rose from the dead, 
he ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty, but then she shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Ghost, as it is, is now and was in the beginning, and evermore shall be, world without end. Amen and amen. Now